We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Here comes Austin Rivers. After months and months of waiting for a point guard to play on this team, we have finally done it. We traded for a shooting guard and a small forward. <laughs> My name is Mike V. Hill. Welcome to the Timeline, a Phoenix Suns podcast, an emergency podcast. Sam Cooper, how are you feeling? Well, I'm, I'm feeling pretty good, Mike. The NBA is such an entertaining sports league to follow. Uh, and I just want to say thank God that the Suns fixed their playmaking problem by acquiring a guy who's averaging two assists per game. <laughs> uh, wow. Actually, let's briefly recap the last, I guess it's nine, ten, ten hours of, of Suns fandom here. Uh, so initially... Uh, Woj tweets that there's a three-team trade going down, so that trade uh, included Memphis, and uh, we all kind of know what happened. I, I mean, I guess there's probably some Suns fans that don't know exactly, if they're not fully up-to-date on Twitter and Reddit here, they may not know exactly how it's going here, but basically what happened is the initial trade was Ariza going to Washington, Ubre going to Memphis, and then Brooks and... Selden going to the Suns. The problem is nobody knows what Brooks it was, right? Yeah. <laughs> the Great Brooks War of 2018, they're already calling it. It's a, a legendary moment in NBA trade history, honestly. The uh, level of incompetence that happened 
in the past 10 hours. Yeah. So uh, Woj tweeted out the details of the trade. Then he clarified, actually, no, it's not Dylan Brooks. It's Marshawn Brooks. Marshawn Brooks being the much worse of the Brooks. No offense to Marshawn. It's just it is what it is. He's an older player. Uh, low on the potential rating. And you know how Suns fans love to uh, overvalue potential. So Marshawn Brooks wouldn't exactly move the needle there. Uh, then Zach Lowe and Woj reported that the deal is in jeopardy because Phoenix believed they were getting Dylan Brooks and Memphis believed that they were trading Marshawn Brooks. Gambo the entire time was doubling down saying, no, 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 no. The Suns are trading for Dylan Brooks. Dylan Brooks. This is the most Dylan Brooks has ever been tweeted about, by the way. <laughs> uh, after that, Woj tweets, the deal is dead in a epic tweet, just saying the deal is dead. League sources tell ESPN. And then Memphis comes out and releases a statement saying, we never talked about trading Dylan Brooks. That was never on the table. We thought it was Marshawn Brooks. And then Washington says, no, actually, the whole time they were saying Dylan Brooks, nobody ever mentioned uh, Marshawn Brooks. And then a few reports came out that said that the Suns were actually talking to Memphis this entire time about Dylan Brooks, including trading medical information about Dylan Brooks. So it seems like... Memphis got cold feet, backed out of the deal, and then they're lying to save face with one of their young potential players. So it's a weird situation that eventually ended with Phoenix and Washington just cutting out the middleman of Memphis entirely and just saying, okay, we'll just take Oubre and uh, Austin Rivers directly. You can have a reason. It seems at this time, obviously we started an emergency podcast last night that ended in disaster, but it seems at this time that's the details of the trade. Ariza for Ubre and Rivers. So now we have an actual trade to talk about. That's what it is. So how do you feel about that trade so far, Sam? I feel pretty good about about this trade and the value that we're getting. But first, I actually want to turn it back on you and ask you a question. Memphis mm-hmm. getting cold feet last night in the trade must have been the only thing that facilitated Washington being uh, willing to send out a prospect like Kelly Ubre to the Suns, right? I mean... Is there any way, pretend that this conversation had never included Memphis in the first place, that Phoenix had approached Washington first and said, we're offering Trevor Reza, but we want Ubre and Rivers from the get-go. There Had <laughs> last night's situation happened where Kelly Ubre was, Kelly Ubre, excuse me, was put in a situation where after the locker room, he was hugging everyone, thinking he was on his way out, and then found out that, oh no, the trade is dead. He actually wasn't going to be traded and then probably felt some level of resentment at the Washington front office, which made them more willing to trade him to Phoenix this morning. I mean, is there any other explanation of what possibly could have gone down other than that? Had there been no trade after all of these details leaked, it would have been a disaster for both the Suns and the Wizards, but much, much worse for the Wizards, being that they drafted Ubre and Ubre was sort of looked at as part of their future. For the Suns, it's not as bad because it's been clear for a few weeks that Ariza was going to be moved, and Ariza was only on a one-year deal that expired at the end of this year anyway. So it was clear that Ariza wasn't part of the future of the team. So, yeah, I think that Washington sort of looked at this and said, we have to trade him now. We have to. It's it's really not an option. So some things that are interesting about this trade to me is, do you think that James Jones, Robert Sarver, there were also rumors, by the way, that Ernie Grunfeld and Robert Sarver were negotiating directly. Did you see those rumors? Yeah, I did. Can you imagine those conversations? <laughs> those are two of the worst owners in the NBA negotiating directly. But in a sense, to me at least, it seems like the Suns have won this trade. Now, Ariza, one year, 
uh, deal, 15 million, making quite a bit of money. Uh, doesn't bring anything to a team struggling like the Suns, which sort of makes you think, what does he bring to a team like the Wizards that are struggling, although they're playing a little bit better now? Didn't have a lot of value to me on the trade market. I know a lot of Suns fans were throwing around some some pretty big-name players in, in hopes for a trade there. It would It would have taken a lot more assets to get a guy like Lonzo Ball, for example. So to get... Kelly Oubre, a, long, a young, up-and-coming up player, a wing, on a team that we have a ton of wing depth already, but I still think we need a wing player if we're, if we're getting rid of Trevor Ariza. And Austin Rivers, not a great player, but a, a good potential backup to, to run the offense or to help run the offense on, on, the, on the bench for this team. Um, that's what kind of makes it interesting. So what I'm worried about is, do you think that James Jones and Robert Sarver sort of look at Austin Rivers and say, that could be a starting point guard for this team? I don't think that that's possible. Do you? Unfortunately, I do think that that's possible in what they're doing. It's <laughs> tough. It's really tough to gauge exactly what the intentions are in this trade because, yes, at, at the core, Austin Rivers plus Kelly Oubre, I mean, they acquired those two players because they needed to match the salaries. But we don't know what the intentions are with either of these guys going going forward. I would like to believe, logically, that Kelly Oubre is the real prize here uh, for the Phoenix Suns, that he's the only player in this deal that they have any intention of maybe re-signing going forward, although uh, that's you know another interesting conversation we have to have. And that Austin Rivers is really just there to match salaries, play his backup minutes this year, and then get, get out of town. Uh, but with the acquisitions James Jones has made so far, you know, his his signing of Jamal Crawford being the very first move he made and Austin Rivers mm. being a not too dissimilar play type to, to that type of player. It could be true that he really views Austin Rivers as the type of player that you need on your team to win games, um, which, you know, is an assessment that I wouldn't agree uh, wouldn't agree with. But I do think Rivers can provide some small value to the Suns for the rest of the season. He maybe adds a winner too. So to talk about exactly what you mean by, by salary, Rivers is making $12.6 million this year, uh, and then his deal expires at the end of this year. Ubre, $3.2 million this year, 4.4 next year. He's technically a restricted free agent next summer, so that 4.4 that he could receive next year would be a qualifying offer. So the only way we get him at 4.4 next year is if he does not sign any restricted deals and then signs his QO going into being a unrestricted free agent, which is possible. Uh, Ubre hasn't been super, super impressive, but he hasn't really disappointed either. Uh, you know, for a team like the Suns, who don't have the expectations that come with drafting a player high like uh, the Wizards did with Ubre, it's kind of a better situation for him. So first, let's talk a little bit about Austin Rivers. Now, Austin Rivers has been a relatively good defender for the in the past. I'm not sure about the Wizards this season. I know it's been difficult to gauge players on the Wizards because it's been so dysfunctional, similar to the Suns. It's hard to really say, um, you know, like Tyson Chandler, terrible on the Suns, leaves and goes to the Lakers, played pretty well. So it's difficult to judge players in situations like the Wizards. Uh, so it's hard to say whether Austin Rivers' situation and how he's been playing so far this season is reflective of his entire career and how he'll be going forward because he was a pretty good defender on the Clippers uh, in the past. He's shooting a pretty low percentage from three. He's basically 30% from three uh, currently. He's a mediocre to bad playmaker. He doesn't really playmake for others. And part of that comes from an inflated sense of self that he has. He he plays as if he's Michael Jordan, and he's not. He, he's closer to Marshawn Brooks, if you will. <laughs> so it's, it's really, it's an interesting situation. So if he starts, not a great situation. It's not really a playmaker. 
But defense, kind of good. But in a sense, th- that's kind of what we want DeAnthony Melton for. At least Melton has shown some playmaking in the past, right? Yeah, I mean, if you're talking about Melton, sure. And and Rivers kind of fits that mold as well. He would be a pretty good fit, I think, in a, in a backcourt with Booker. Not in the sense that you wouldn't trust him really to run the offense. You would try to take the ball out of his hands as much as possible. But have him as a catch-and-shoot guy because he is a pretty consistent three-point shooter throughout his career. Hasn't quite shown it this year at 31%, but is at 35% from downtown for his career. Uh, Coupled with that defense, that's basically what you're asking for Melton, too. So, you know, if you have Melton and um, Rivers coupling as your two point guards, you you sort of take a Kobo out of this uh, equation a little bit and have those guys play 48 of your available point guard minutes. You're really looking for 48 minutes of solid defense and, and spot up shooting and just hope that, you know, Austin doesn't try to take over too many times throughout the game so the Suns to me had two major major problems with the team the first one is obvious we've talked about it since basically May no point guard we have no point guard that problem was not solved obviously but the second problem that the Suns had and we've talked about it for the last few weeks is depth we've had a huge huge problem with depth and 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 we know the story every game has essentially looked the same the starters go in they play pretty well the starters leave the game, we immediately go down by 10 to 15 points. When the starters start to come back into the lineups, they're already in a hole, and it's difficult to dig out of the hole, uh, if anything. And because these guys are young, when you start in that hole, they tend to give up a little easier than veterans. Veterans have been around long enough to know that it's a 48-minute game, and they're more easily uh, adaptable in situations like that. So this trade did not solve clearly did not solve that playmaking problem we don't really have a point guard and neither of these guys can play point guard but it did kind of address our depth problem so let's say melton stays in the starting lineup i i saw this tweet by evan sidery i thought it was a great way sort of pointing out how it can help our depth problem i i don't know that melton will stay in the starting lineup but i'm really hoping that we get to see melton next to booker at some point because that just makes more sense than anything we've done so far so Melton, Booker, Bridges, Warren, Ayton, that could be the starting lineup. And the second unit could be Rivers, Crawford, Ubre, Jackson, and Holmes. And that's, I think, where it gets a little interesting because Rivers is, is, is a competent backup player and Ubre is a young developing player and, and he would immediately become a rotation player on this team. He, 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 he leapfrogs maybe even Josh Jackson, depending on how well he shoots from three going forward. So let's talk a little bit about Ubre. How, how do you feel about Ubre? Well, the comparison is just too easy to Josh Jackson, athletic wing coming out of Kansas, whose entire career has been, he's a couple years older, mind you, but whose entire career has been marred by inconsistency. Uh, if you look at Kelly Ubre last season, well, first of all, right now, should be said, Ubre is averaging 13 and uh, 4.4 rebounds, 26 minutes a game, 43% shooting from the field, 31% from deep. And for his career, he's been a guy who's taken a lot of three-point shots, has not necessarily hit a lot of them. Last season in particular was was just a tale of two halves for him, if you break it down. Before the All-Star break, Ubre was actually playing very well last year. He was at a 56% true shooting, which is pretty good. He was hitting 37% of his threes. Um, after the All-Star break, he dipped all the way down to 49% true shooting and hitting 29% of his threes. He was shooting 36% from the field. I know I'm throwing a lot of numbers, so just basically to make a conclusion with that statement, that's pretty much the difference between a prime Trevor Ariza in the first half of the season and a struggling Josh Jackson in the second half of the season. So that's the type of inconsistency you're getting with Kelly Oubre. If it pays off, 
he can be a three and D player in the mold of a Trevor Reza who's 10 years younger. And if that's the case, that's a fantastic uh, investment on the part of the Suns. The question is, of course, uh, Josh Jackson. And how does the acquisition of Kelly Oubre affect the development of Josh Jackson? Because now if you have a bench of, uh, as you were just saying, you've got Rivers and Crawford, Oubre and Jackson. Does Josh Jackson transition to the four for most of the minutes that he plays? Is that the right place for him? Does he sort of get bounced out of the rotation entirely? Uh, you know, these are all questions that we have to consider. But just talking about Ubre the player, Ubre the player is a good acquisition for the Suns. They'll have an entire, you know, four months look at him before they have to potentially offer him any money in free agency. Imagine as a coach looking at your bench and that bench including Austin Rivers, Jamal Crawford, and Josh Jackson. <laughs> yeah. These guys love to ISO and they love to shoot mid-range jumpers like this is this is going to be a challenge for Igor Kokoshkov because what he's going to have to do is rein these guys in and that includes Jamal Crawford but Austin Rivers is one of those guys that even his dad had trouble (laughs) reining him in as a coach here so it's going to be difficult to to really develop a system that that they can consistently run. I think that this is a capable bench, and I think Rashawn Holmes is, of course, the key to all of this because he constantly gives effort, and he's constantly rim running, and he he's got a gravity when he rim runs, so that that can help the team. So it's going to be really interesting to see what Igor does with all of these pieces because I, as a coach, I imagine all three of those guys are are going to be fairly frustrating, and the idea of all three of them potentially playing together. I think is a first of all a likely scenario, but also a little bit of a scary thought. So I think you're right though in that Ubre is probably the main reason that this trade happened. I think there's even a chance that Austin Rivers gets bought out. And I actually hope that doesn't happen because this team just needs more players. That's the, one of the main problems with the Suns right now. We need more players. And Austin Rivers, for all his faults, is still a capable rotation player on the Suns. So I, I kind of hope he stays, and, and but I do think that Ubre is the main piece. We do own his rights now in restricted free agency. Um, what do you think a guy like Kelly Ubre, who's been inconsistent both offensively and defensively, was drafted relatively high and has shown flashes in the past, what do you think he's even worth in restricted free agency? I can't imagine it's going to be that high. Well, you know... <laughs> The wing players go for more than they used to, of course. So, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if, if Ubre is expecting upwards of $10 million a year. Um, but it all depends on how he plays for, for the next several months. That's really going to set the tone, uh, which is why I'm sure there's also going to be pressure from coming from his representatives to, to give him minutes. He's not just going to be... Uh, it's going to be a terrible look for the Suns if they acquire Ubre and then bury him on the bench behind Josh Jackson and, and use the excuse that they have too much wing depth. Kelly Ubre is going to be out there uh, for at least 20 to 25 minutes per game, I would think, for the rest of the season because he's playing in a contract year. And uh, if he plays well, then I definitely think the Suns could be talking about using uh, a, a lot of their cap space in order to re-sign players like him and Rashawn Holmes. We talked about this idea of the Suns going into next summer with a max contract slot available or with the money to potentially offer two pretty large contracts for two pretty good players, maybe not a max player but like one Ricky Rubio or Terry Rozier and then one Nikola Mirotic. That scenario only happened if they were willing to waive and stretch Ryan Anderson's contract and if they were willing to say completely goodbye to all of the players like Trevor Reza, Troy Daniels, um, all the players coming off the books at the end of the summer and renounce their cap holds. Now, suddenly, if Kelly Oubre plays well for the rest of the season, that's great. 
But then if you're resigning him to 10 or $12 million a year, obviously a lot of that cap space goes away and you have to rethink what your plans are going into the summer and talk about some of your priorities. And that's the other reason that I say, you know, Josh Jackson has to be on notice for this trade because if Kelly Oubre plays well, is there really a need for four solid mm. wings on this team between Devin Booker, Josh Jackson, Mikhail Bridges, and Kelly Oubre when cap space is at a premium and, and maybe the Suns will consider moving Jackson to create some more cap space going into the summer? Yeah, that's a, that's a really interesting point. So what do you think? Let's just talk. There's two things. That, actually, one thing I want to talk about, and then let's actually grade. Let's let's give some grades for this trade. So first thing is there were reports that Robert Sarver nixed any potential deal between the Lakers and the Suns. He did not want to send Trevor Ariza to the Lakers. I think this could have something to do with what we're going to talk about later, and that's the huge PR hit that Robert Sarver took in the last week. And I think he, he, he didn't want to also send one of our free agent acquisitions to one of our most hated rivals, in quotes, if you will, uh, and piss off the fans once again. To me, that's a short-sighted move. You have to, you have a guy like Trevor Reza, and, and the Suns are terrible. They're one of the worst teams of all time currently, pacing at one of the worst records of all time. You have to leave all options open. You cannot shut anything down. And if there was a potential of a better deal coming from the Lakers or being sort of uh, the Lakers involved in that deal, that seems like a short-sighted move to me. And I think that sounds like an owner that is just sort of flailing, trying to get good press at all costs. How do you (laughs) feel about the idea of nixing a potential Lakers deal? Well, look, yes, he is trying to get good PR at all costs. I can't believe I'm about to do this. I know we're not in the habit of um, no of sympathizing oh, with no. reptiles, but what I'm going to say here is that <laughs> it's sort of a lose-lose situation for Sarver, only in the sense that if he nixes the trade with LA, he's got people like you talking about you have to take all, all options seriously. Um, if he trades Ariza to LA, then people are saying uh, it's the Chandler situation all over again. Uh, you know, LeBron James is just you know screwing James Jones over and, and the Suns, so... Look, I, I agree with you. He has to take all all options uh, seriously, and, and maybe a deal shouldn't have been nixed, especially if there was an intriguing prospect like Lonzo on the table. Not that I really think there ever was, mm-hmm. but um, right. I I don't personally care all that much, only because you know it's it's a PR move, like you said. It was expected. This was expected of Robert Sarver, and there's plenty of other things to talk about with Robert Sarver, which, as you alluded to, we'll get to in a little bit. So Trevor Ariza. A vet, basically with five months left on his contract, traded for a 23-year-old wing in Kelly Oubre and a shooting guard who can't shoot in Austin Rivers. Uh, I think that that sounds like more than I expected to get for just Trevor Ariza on his own. What I did expect is I thought the Suns maybe would try to package that Bucks pick and get some sort of starting caliber point guard, but it looks like that's not going to happen. Who knows, by the way? Who knows? Woj could, or Woj could tweet something out that changes everything that we're talking about at any moment. Um, it's been insane for the last 10 hours. I actually, I actually want to address that uh, really quickly before grading the trade. So I've seen some buzz on Twitter already about maybe this signals that the Suns aren't done trading, that they'll just take a guy like Oubre, for instance, and flip him for a point guard because they didn't get their point guard in this trade um today i want to remind everyone well today is december 15th you could be listening to this podcast at any point in the week but anyway today is december 15th the nba trade deadline this year was pushed back a little bit earlier so it is february 7th that is less than two months away and the reason that is relevant is because in the cba it says that players who you acquire 
via trade cannot be traded for 60 days if their salaries are going to be aggregated with other players on your team. What that means is that Kelly Oubre for the next two months could be flipped on his own. The Suns could take his $3 million salary. They could flip him for a point guard if they so choose um, anytime between now and the deadline. They cannot, however, take him and trade him in a package deal um, with any any other player on the team. If there are any cap experts out there who want to correct me if anything I just said was wrong, um, because I'm certainly not the greatest cap expert out there. But for instance, if if the Suns were eyeing some sort of point guard on the market who was making, say, $6 million instead of three, and they wanted to match the salaries by trading Kelly Oubre and Troy Daniels together before the deadline, they wouldn't be able to do that because that goes against the rules. It wouldn't have been 60 days yet. Uh, and so in that sense, the Suns are committed to a player like Oubre um, for the for the rest of the season. That doesn't mean, of course, they, they could continue to make trades with other players. It's just I think they are probably committed to Austin Rivers and Kelly Oubre from here on out. Well, it should be said, too, that the original version of the trade included Kelly Oubre going somewhere else. So maybe the Suns weren't too keen on taking Oubre on at first. So the idea of potentially trading him or moving him to a third team at this point isn't that crazy? I mean, that that could absolutely happen. And, and maybe Ubre is one of the more valuable trade pieces that we have, considering uh, the rest of our young guys seem to be uh, guys that could potentially be part of this core moving forward. So, right. Especially now that TJ Warren sort of fixed all of his flaws. But if you, if, you, if you fire up Trade Machine, for those of you listening out there, just know that if you're going to send Kelly Oubre out for a point guard, that point guard coming in has to fit in the salary cap. He has to be a guy making similar money, about three to four million dollars. You can't go out and uh, and I, I can't even think of an example right now, but you can't go out and acquire a 10, 15 million dollar point guard by taking Oubre and packaging him mm. with other stuff. Right. That hurts kind of, right? Yeah, I mean, but <laughs> that makes it a little harder. But it sort of just goes back to the fact that I think the Suns, look, Oubre obviously wasn't their first choice. You're right. They wanted Dylan Brooks. But I think they're committed to him, and I think they're going to give him a fair tryout for the next several months and basically competing for Josh Jackson for who is going to be the future third best wing on this team behind <laughs> Devin Booker and, uh, wow. well, TJ Warren, if you still consider him a wing. It's a whole other conversation. So overall, how would you grade this trade? Now, you don't got to give, give it a letter grade if you don't want to, but just overall, how do you feel about it? I feel good. I feel like uh, this is like a B-plus trade. This is a lot better than I was expected. And again, it, it all it's funny how it works. It all happens because uh, of our own incompetence. In a way, I was already happy with the Dylan Brooks <laughs> trade. I, I didn't really expect Wayne Selden to become anything, and, and I was happy with acquiring a prospect like Brooks. Then I think Ubre's value tanked this morning because he was probably figured he had to be traded from the Wizards locker room at that point, and he's a better prospect than Brooks. So I think if you're a Suns fan, you do have to um, evaluate this positively. As you alluded to, though, as we've been talking about, it doesn't fix a point guard issue. We also still have a rebounding issue, too, by the way. So, you know, mm -hmm. it's not perfect. Yeah, I think I agree with you overall. I think that they did pretty good considering Ariza didn't have a ton of trade value, although he's valuable on contenders. Um, it seemed like the only contender that was really interested was the Lakers, and things could not be worked out there for whatever reason, probably because the Suns wanted Lonzo Ball or, or one of the other young guys like Josh Hart. Um, so... In a sense, if they couldn't get one of those two guys, I don't really blame them for not moving him there. And if it was just because of Robert Sarver, I'm not a big fan of that. Speaking of Robert Sarver, uh, there was a couple things that happened. We're going to take a break, and I'm going to play an interview with Squats Magoo, the Redditor who organized a protest that maybe didn't fully come together, but actually did create a lot of 
bad press for Robert Sarver, which in a sense is maybe more valuable than reverberating chants in the Talking Stick Resort Arena. So let's take a quick break. You're going to hear that interview. It's me outside of the arena before the Dallas game with Squats Magoo talking about the protest. And when we come back, let's give some updates on the arena situation. Okay, I'm outside the Hard Rock Cafe in front of Talking Stick Resort Arena with Squats Magoo yeah. from Reddit, uh, who is organizing the protest against Robert Sarver tonight. Why did you decide? We just briefly talked about it. Why did you think that now was the time to do this? Well, I woke up just like probably anybody else uh, with notifications that Robert Sarver basically threatened to move the team. And uh, I, I'm born and raised here, so like my dad... This was his favorite team growing up. The only team he had, you know, growing up as a kid here. And so that threat was just, like, enough. And then when I found out this game was going to be nationally televised, I was like, if we're going to act, it's now or never, you know. I mean, we can't, we can't keep pushing it off. And that, that's why uh, I don't know if anybody saw the, guy, the billboard guy posting that. Yeah. Right? And then he's, like, talking about how it's not quick enough. Like, what, well, what's, what's kind of – we've been talking about this for, like, a year or so now, you know. So it's, like, it's act now or, or don't act ever. So that's why, that's why I did it. So you said your dad is a huge fan of this team. Mm-hmm. Does your dad know about the protest that you've planned today? <laughs> I said I was going to be interviewed by 12 News, and my dad's pretty, like – he doesn't, like, smile a lot, which is weird. But, <laughs> but, but he, he was, like – he just grinned. He was, like, really? <laughs> so, yeah, that tells you anything. It was pretty, it was pretty funny. So you were just, I just watched it happen. You were just interviewed by 12 News. They reached out to you. Did they, do they have a Reddit account, she, first of all? I'm pretty sure she made a Reddit just to send me that message to, to meet here and, and do the interview. So, yeah, she had, like, no post history. Her account was, like, a couple hours old. So, yeah. I was, I was honestly, like, probably just, like, the anxiety. Uh, but, like, I was just, like, is this a real, am I getting, like, catfish right now or something? Like, is some son's employee going to be out here and they're going to, like, rough me up or something but no it was it was cool and they were very uh respectful with their questions and stuff they didn't uh ask anything like they didn't try to like put us down or or anything they just asked general questions about why we're doing it so for you to consider tonight a success what would have to happen i guess the bare minimum was for him to make a statement so that was cool but honestly if if somebody can dvr this or get a youtube clip and we're heard at all that would be like, I mean, if if we got like a Charles Barkley shout out, that's on that's what I think that we is need. like the pinnacle. That's what we like, need. We yeah. need Barkley to mention it. So Barkley guaranteed. I don't know if you saw <laughs> yeah, this, but guaranteed Barkley guaranteed to win, a win yeah, tonight. Yeah. Uh, and the saddest part about that is he did it all for comedy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I don't know how genuine yeah. that was. Um, do you? So I've been out here for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've been hanging out. I handed out a few. I haven't seen a lot of Suns fans so far. I know it's a little early, but are you hoping for a better turnout as far as handing these out? I'm hoping we're right by the light rail right now just to paint the picture, and I'm hoping the next, like, light rail or two empties out a a good amount of people. So we'll see how that goes, but 
Um, yeah, I mean, I am hoping for a lot more people. I, I, I kind of was saying, you know, I, I have 5,000 of these slips. Uh, if I end up going in there with like a few hundred and more covertly and am able to hand out just those few hundred, I'll consider it a success. I mean, there's, there's like, I don't know what's right and wrong around here. I didn't like investigate what I can and can't hand out. So I'm not trying to like totally risk it. I don't, my biggest fear is getting banned. I don't, I don't want, I don't care if I get kicked out of this one game, but I don't want to be banned from the arena or anything like that. And I don't, I wouldn't want any other Suns fan to get uh, banned from the arena either. So, yeah, I don't, I, I, don't, I hope that doesn't happen yeah. as well. Uh, we talked a little bit earlier. I have a, a friend in the arena right now that heard that the security has been notified yeah. uh, of the potential of a protest. When you, so you saw the Robert Sarver video online, yeah, correct? Yeah, so I did. when you saw that video of Robert Sarver essentially responding to the protest, what, what did you think when you saw that? Do you believe him, first of all? For the first, like, 20 to 30 seconds, I was like, this is what we wanted, you know, a commitment. And then I kind of like the, the, I don't know, the, the quick to, to believe anything of me melted away. And I was like, You're, you waited until this moment to say anything. And, and I just, I don't know, maybe that's cynical, but I don't, I don't believe him at all that it got to this point and now he's making statements. So uh, I think that they, the pressure on him is probably coming from his own staff, that he's just painted such a horrible picture. Because I don't, really don't think he's that socially aware of what he's, uh, you know, what he's saying and stuff. So I think his staff was like, whoa, sorry, you got to cool it, man, that the fans hate you right now. Like, so I think, like, that's, like, PR trying to clean him up and stuff. I don't think that's him coming out and... It wasn't his idea to be like, all right, film me with this statement, you know. Like, that's that's kind of my take on it. But how long have you had a Reddit account? I've had a Reddit account for six years. I've only been posting on Sun stuff for like the last year, hardcore. And I was reading stuff for the for the previous like year or two before that. Tonight, around 10 p.m., they're going to interview on the news. You sitting here in front of Hard Rock, and they're probably going to say squats Magoo. <laughs> <laughs> on 12 News. Did, when you made your Reddit account, did you ever expect it to be broadcasted to no, all Phoenix area no, I, residents? I definitely did not uh, expect that, but that's really funny to me. Uh, <laughs> I I think when they first asked me to, I was like, oh man, like should I just go out there and like not even really like play too much into this and just kind of like treat it as like this sort of Reddit thing, like a meme or something. But I don't know, like it's so frustrating that it just, I think it got to the point where you have to take it more seriously. And so the funniest part of this is Squats Magoo being broadcasted, but, <laughs> but the rest of it, I, I'm taking pretty You're relatively serious. seriously. Yeah. I think, I think that, that he's a jerk and he doesn't know how to manage a team. So that's, yeah, that's kind of where I stand. If there was any sort of reaction tonight what kind of reaction do you think would come from maybe the Suns organization as a whole or Robert Sarver? Do you have any goals beyond that? Or do you just want to make it known that as Suns fans, we support the team and we do not support the owner? I think, uh, yeah, that, that second point of view is just we don't support him, but we love the team. I don't, yeah, I mean. The ultimate goal is that he sells, right? Yeah, yeah. And I don't the think there will be an immediate reaction from like Sun's Twitter or a statement or anything. I mean, he made a statement, so I don't think there's going to be another one coming. Um, but I mean, yeah, if he gets blasted all over the news tomorrow morning, or Charles Barkley were to say something, I mean, that to me that's ten times more effective than his phony statement. You know, I I think that if he if he has to see all that and his PR people have to sit through that, that's how how much more can you embarrass an owner besides like an actual scandal or something like that? My favorite part about all of this 
It's picturing Robert Sarver in his office just slamming his fist on the <laughs> desk and going, Squats Magoo! Squats Magoo, what has he done? I can't believe he's done this yeah. to me. So, yeah. so, thank you so much for this. I appreciate what you're doing for the team. You are clearly a real fan of the team, and we need more people like you in order to make it very clear that Phoenix wants better yeah. of this team. So, good luck tonight. Yeah, thanks. Okay, so the Phoenix Suns, or the, I should say. Keep it in. <laughs> We're dunked on now. No editing. <laughs> Maybe. We, we oh, burp God. on the podcast. The last like Nate one. Duncan. That's By the one. way, okay, wait. No, oh, now no. we definitely have to keep this in. Because really quick. Sorry, guys. We're going to get to the arena. Did you see what that <laughs> fuck did? He didn't have Devin oh. Booker in his top nine no, shooting what? guards. They were, I, can't, I didn't stoop to the level of listening to the episode, I promise you. But Danny Green is not a better shooting guard than Devin Booker. Come on. It's it's ridiculous. It's just <laughs> ridiculous. All right. Oh, you, no. we wanna, you wanna ignore that. You wanna oh, have to no. talk about it. You're not allowed to edit it out, but we can move forward with the arena conversation. Okay. Okay. The Phoenix City Council delayed a vote on arena renovations after a disastrous <laughs> week for Robert Sarver that included a ninety year old lady dunking all over him a redditor protesting uh or organizing a protest uh, that included press including 12 news interviewing him as you just heard in my interview with him on the streets in front of the arena and leaked reports of robert sarver threatening to move the team to las vegas or seattle which he immediately floundered and posted a video of him promising that the Suns would never lose Phoenix. I, I should say, he said Phoenix because some of the reports also included the potential if a re arena renovation is not completed, the potential of moving the team to somewhere like Scottsdale. The Scottsdale Suns, how terrible does that sound? Uh, obviously, they wouldn't change that name, but they wouldn't be in Phoenix if it's in Scottsdale. That's technically a different city. So basically, what, what it's come down to is City Council could not agree to renovate based on the $180 million that Robert Sarver was asking for. And they decided to delay the vote and have meetings with the public involved, basically to save face and say, if the public wants this, then we'll vote for it. And if they don't want it, then we can sort of blame it on the public uh, at this point. Uh, not a great week for Robert Sarver, a, a really bad week. Uh, how do you feel about the developments so far in the arena deal, Sam? Uh, well, I, I wanted to talk about Sarver first. It's interesting because I think for a long time, Suns fans have been pushing the point that Robert Sarver is one of the worst owners in the NBA, but maybe it hasn't gotten through to national audiences except uh, for in-the-know insiders. This week really felt like the first time, maybe in the 14 years that he's owned the team, that it's just been out there for everyone to see. I mean, it was at, it was at the top... Uh, article on on all of ESPN was Greta Greta Rogers is that her name? Yeah, mm -hmm. Greta, Greta Ro Rogers. Greta the Rogers legend. roasting uh, Robert Sarver. It, it was covered on every program on ESPN. Obviously, it was a top post on RNBA. It was all over NBA Twitter. Went viral. Uh, we haven't seen Robert. Sar when you say it's a bad week for Robert Sarver, I think it's the worst week Robert Sarver's had. Not even when the Suns traded 
two first round picks and Kurt Thomas for a second round pick in 2008. Not even when in 2004 they traded Luol Deng for uh, cash, I think $3 million in cash considerations. Did uh, Robert Sarver take this sort of hit uh, as he's taken in, in the national media right now? So this is this is big for Suns fans. Does Ultimately, does it really change anything? Maybe not, because the only way you actually force Robert Sarver out is to get uh, either something incriminating or, you know, the, the more reasonable thing, which, you know, I'm not suggesting anything there. Or the more reasonable thing, which is um, other owners need to vote him out, which isn't in their best interest because maybe it's in their best interest to have a guy running a completely inept organization. Right. Right. Yeah. And to your point, this news about Robert Sarver is the type of news that my mom can understand. You know what I mean? Like she could see Greta Rogers dunking on Robert Sarver and go, wow, that guy must be a real piece of shit <laughs> if this sweet 90 year old lady is dunking on him like this. So it, it's it's not like my mom was interested in the Luol Deng cash considerations. Exactly. exactly. It's like, why do I care if they traded the pick that became Serge Ibaka for a second round pick that never became anybody? And who the fuck is Serge Ibaka? But this, this week, turns into a political conversation. And you're exactly right. That's why it's picking up steam, because it turns into that whole conversation. Greta said it herself. We, as taxpaying citizens, are not in the business of funding private enterprise, particularly when that private enterprise is um, the en- in the entertainment industry, as the Phoenix Suns are. And that's why this uh, story has picked up so much attention. Yeah, and if you're a Suns fan and you feel conflicted about this, that's okay. That makes sense. I, I feel conflicted about it, too, to be frank. Uh, do I think that the government should be involved in, in sort of subsidizing private enterprise? In a general sense, I don't. But do I want the Suns to leave Phoenix? Absolutely not. I live a block away from the arena. I don't want them moving out of Phoenix. I don't want them moving out of Arizona, especially. And I think that... It's a it's an odd situation in that technically Robert Sarver does not own the arena. The arena, their owner, is actually listed online as Phoenix City Council. It's owned by the city council. So it's a weird situation in where Robert Sarver is asking for money to keep them here. And they're not sort of taking that responsibility because they're looking at Sarver and saying you're worth half a billion dollars and a lot of your equity is built into this team. It should be on you to renovate this. And he's saying, no, you own the arena. I will put up money for a, guess what, practice facility. Also, people who are saying that the city should not pay for a practice facility for the team. That is actually not what's happening. I think people need to actually read the stories yeah. instead of the headlines. Yeah, yeah, by the yeah. Way. I, wa- I wanted to break down the numbers, but if you have them in front of you, go ahead. I don't, but I have an understanding of it. And the, the basic of the basics of it is the city would be putting up about $180 million, and Robert Sarver would be putting up about 80 to $90 million to help. It would be 100, 150 eight- would be the city. Right, 150 would be the city, and and it's, the numbers have sort of been around uh, 150, and have shown a little bit above in other stories. But 150 is is kind of where they settled. The money that Resarver is putting up would help renovate the stadium, but would also include building a brand new practice facility, and supposedly outside of the arena. The current practice facility is in the arena and is known, thanks to Jared Dudley, as the worst in the NBA. And as we know, a lot of teams that have invested in practice facilities in the past have shown immediate improvement. And that makes sense to me. And we kind of laughed at first. We've made it a bit of a meme on this podcast, but they do need a practice facility. These guys need to be treated like professional athletes. And right now, it, it seems as though they're not really treated like professional athletes. So it does make sense to build that. So for the record, the the city would not be building a new practice facility for the team. Sarver is taking on the responsibility of building a new practice facility for the team. So, 
that's not part of the deal. Now, how you feel about this? Tweet us. Let us know. I want to know how Suns fans really feel. I, I I put it out in a poll recently, and and obviously Suns fans mostly feel that the the city should be pitching in. Obviously, they don't want the team to leave, and they don't really trust Sarver to keep it here on his own. So, it sort of makes sense that Suns fans feel that way right now. But quickly, let's let's talk a little bit about this protest. I've seen a lot of people sort of making fun of this protest or calling it a massive failure, and I just want to say that. Squats Magoo. <laughs> Squats Mr. Magoo. Mr. Magoo. Dr. Magoo. Dr. Magoo, yeah. He's a Suns fan, and he clearly loves the team. And he did a lot just sort of out of his own... He, he just took it on himself to say that Suns fans cannot believe that an owner is willing to threaten uh, to move the team. And the fact that people didn't chant in the arena makes sense for a couple of reasons first of all i was there and there were people chanting it wasn't a lot and they were all on the upper deck because one they probably joined at the last minute and two it was a lot of young people and young people can't really afford even on this team to get down in the lower bowl but what it did do is it it brought a lot of attention to to sarver uh, whether it be from us talking about it online i know a lot of people were engaging with us even fans from other teams we saw where it went on reddit Uh, We saw that he was on 12 News. To me, these are all successes, and and I think he did a really good job organizing this. The fact that it didn't really come together, I think is sort of irrelevant at this point. I I think a lot of the people that go to the games, first of all, lots of Mavericks fans. There was the first Dirk Nowitzki game of the season. Second of all, not really a full arena, uh, really. And the people that are there, a lot of them are season ticket holders, and they're not really in. They don't really want to chant against the owner when they've invested a lot into the team, and they probably don't want to piss off people. And third, there was a sec- security was notified. Now <laughs> that that's an interesting fact. Security was notified about the protests, and they were told to sort of kick anyone out. We were tweeted at by a, a Suns fan who had a paper bag prepared to put over his head, and they made him throw it away going into the arena. And uh, Squats Magoo was sort of hiding what he had going into the arena to hand out his slips of paper with the chance on it. So, Squats, you did a good job, I think. Whether or not it came together, you did a good job. What did you think about the protest, Sam? Yeah, I mean, you have to appreciate the passion. Um, I was, you know, it's ridiculous to make fun of it. Um, I, I would say that sometimes, you know, maybe we get a little too wrapped up in our online participation, not necessarily realizing that just because something gets a lot of upvotes means that uh, it's going to turn into a full-fledged effort in the arena for the reasons that you said, um, it being whether it being younger people in the upper bowls or just a, a half-empty arena in the first place or season ticket holders not wanting to rebel against the owner. Um, all of those reasons make sense, but it was still a really good effort. Um, it was, you know, maybe with a few more days to put things together, it, it could have been uh, even better. Um, but, you know, squats, we stand in solidarity with you. I was certainly <laughs> chanting from from where I was watching uh, here in New York. And, and I imagine a lot of other fans feel the same way. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It, it, it just, to me, it added to the disaster week for Robert Sarver. Maybe that was the best part about it <laughs> getting dunked on by a guy named squats magoo and a 90 year old named greta rogers <laughs> all right so an interesting week for a suns fan a week that included uh the potential of moving to las vegas or seattle the potential of moving to scottsdale no arena renovations no trades for a point guard we now have austin rivers one of the biggest memes in the nba kelly Oubre. Uh, one of the most attractive NBA players, it seems like that. That seems like something that's going to be uh, that actually a, a bit is of a an underrated right factor. 
Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. He's marketable, right? That's the, the, the business way to say expect, it. Expect way more thirsty replies on Twitter and Instagram to all of the Sun's <laughs> social media now, if it includes Kelly Oubre. A very interesting week for Sense fans. Sam, you have any other thoughts? Uh, no, that's about it. Let's see how it works. We're officially on the Austin Rivers wild ride for the rest oh, no. of the season. Um, yep. And, you know, maybe the Suns can can keep up the momentum from the Dallas game and, and string together a few good games this week. Yeah, and stick with us going forward. You know I'm very invested personally in this arena situation, so we are going to be the podcast that covers every detail of this situation going forward. I may even attend some of the public hearings for this and, and see if I can uh, get some uh, recordings or some pictures uh, at the actual events. So stick with us. Suns fans, things will get better, I think, going forward. At least we have a bit of a bench now. This is Chicago politics at its worst, and it has a very foul odor. We are in the business of governing a large city for all who live here. And we are not in the business of funding private enterprise. I don't care what it is. Mr. Sarver has done nothing to improve this team in the 14 years he's owned it. He's never funded or bought, paid for two or three key players which make any sports team, professional sports team, successful or on the road to success. He's so tight, he squeaks when he walks. And you have been negotiating with this kind of person? Shame on each and all of you. You just wrapped up another episode of The Timeline. I love this podcast. And if you're like me, you want as much Suns content as possible. That's why I listen to The Timeline every week. So if you want to go ahead and hear some more Phoenix Suns content, go ahead and listen to The Solar Panel, a Phoenix Suns show. We are available on Spotify, on iTunes, on Stitcher, on Google Play. Anywhere that you listen to podcasts, go ahead and check out The Solar Panel, a Phoenix Suns show.